Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode number two. No, sorry, this is episode number three of the 10-Minute Strength Pod powered by Lions Den Sports Performance. I'm your host, Connor Lyons, and today we're actually going to talk about conditioning, which is interesting because I just got done with a spin class. If any of you know me, I'm not much of a spinner. you got to figure there's probably a female involved, and there absolutely was because otherwise I probably never would have gone. Um, but it gave me some insight into you know how I want to talk about conditioning today. Um, I get it, right? So conditioning is something that can lead to instant gratification and it can make us feel like we did something. You can get a runner's high. There's a lot of benefits that come from conditioning, but at the same time, what we need to look at is how much that conditioning takes away from our actual development as an athlete. So for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to be talking specifically about youth athletic development Um, within the general population. uh, If you're a weekend warrior, There's a lot of merit to going out and moving around and getting some cardiovascular effort in. Uh, But when it comes to youth athletics and athletics in general, we need to really hone in on what we're trying to accomplish with this conditioning. If you're an average coach for youth sports, you're probably of the mindset that at the end of practice, that's going to be hard, right? Last five, 10 minutes of practice, we're going to be putting in a lot of effort. We're going to be doing suicides. We're going to run gassers. We're going to bag skate. We're going to do X, Y, or Z. And we really need to get out of that thought process. Take a look at it this way. As a coach, you probably have two practices a week of an hour long, right? So if you're coaching anything 18U or lower, you don't get a lot of time with these athletes. And you're going to spend one-sixth of that time conditioning your athletes if we're even waiting till the last 10 minutes of practice. So you're taking away valuable developmental time for these kids. Um, and we're really not accomplishing much. I get the whole mental conditioning and, and all that kind of nonsense. But at the same time, why not spend those extra 20 minutes a week, 80 minutes a month over the course of a year, whatever 80 times 12 is, why don't we take that time and, and utilize it to develop these athletes uh, from a skill set standpoint? There's a few of you that are going to fight me on this. I'm going to get some angry DMs from coaches. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We need to change that mindset. We need to think about the fact that these conditioning adaptations are some of the quickest to come. I don't know if you've ever been an athlete and taken some time off. It happened to me in hockey. I'd take a month off of hockey, spend some time in the gym doing what I needed to do in the offseason, and then I'd go get on the ice. When I got on the ice, I thought I was going to die. Um, just hadn't been under that kind of stress um, from a physiological perspective in a month. And so I had lost some of those adaptations. But guess what happened the second time I went on the ice? It was almost like I had never left. These adaptations happen very quickly and without like a ton of effort. So we really need to be mindful of that when we're wasting all this time running gassers, running suicides, doing these things that as coaches you feel are helping your athletes they're really hindering them and they're and they're kind of holding them back all right so let's go over some examples here we'll start off with football football is relatively easy when it comes to conditioning you've got three drills that are going to be pretty popular as far as coaches go you have one tens gassers and half gassers for some reason these seem to be the standard for conditioning when it comes to football i don't understand it but it is what it is Gassers, half gas. Well, gassers are going to take a little bit longer, but half gassers and one tens are going to take in the neighborhood of 16 to 20 seconds from your skilled all the way to your your uh, big skill and big guys. <clears throat> and that's so far out of like the limit of, of what we need from a physiological perspective when it comes to football. The average football play is five to seven seconds. Why are we going to spend 16 to 20 seconds 
in somewhere between 10 to 15, even 20 reps of these things, when the athlete doesn't need that at all, there's no point in time when these football players are, for the most part, upright sprinting these long distances, especially anybody inside the box, you're big and you're big skill guys, they don't need these movement patterns. They don't need this time. They don't need any of that. And spending, I'm sorry, wasting time doing this kind of conditioning isn't going to do your athletes any good. Hockey's another one that seems to be really kind of, that's missed the boat when it comes to, to conditioning. I can remember growing up playing the last 10 minutes of practice where always some kind of bag skate, whether we're doing a, a Herbie or um, like just laps or uh, boards, coaches try to find a way to put you in a position where you're gonna suffer. And while I get it, I understand it. I understand that there's, there's value to quote unquote mental toughness, although we'll on another future podcast, we'll talk about that. There's absolutely no evidence to show that mental toughness is created through physical work. Um, so just as a side note there. But these coaches want to spend all this time conditioning doing these hard things, and it just doesn't add up when it comes to looking at the physiological adaptations necessary for the sport of hockey. Now, you probably heard a billion times, the average shift in hockey is 45 seconds. Well, that's true, but let's break down that 45 seconds. Whether you're a forward or a defenseman, whether you're a wing or a center, your job on the ice is going to be very different. You're going to be under a lot of different kind of stresses. Obviously, defensemen aren't going to need quite the conditioning. Um, you know, if you look at defensemen on the score sheet, typically their shifts are about a minute long, whereas like your centers are closer to like 35 to 40 seconds and your wings are going to be in that 40 to 50 second range. Everybody's doing something different on the ice. This going hard for 45 seconds is never, <laughs> never going to be something that happens in the game of hockey. You're spending right around 15 to 20% in a high intensity skate when you're on the ice. That's what the breakdown shows from uh, NHL players. Now in youth hockey, it may be a little bit different, but for what we're talking about now, we'll go with the NHL numbers because they're the only ones that we have. So if we're spending that little time on the ice in a high intensity uh, kind of position, then why are we wasting all this time, energy and effort on having these kids skate as hard as they can for 45 seconds with a thing that's never going to carry over. You know, there's another added kind of issue with this. Watch your kids skate. Watch the beginning of the sprints. Watch the end of the sprints. You're going to notice that they look like trash after about 15 seconds of skating. They're going to be upright. Their knees aren't bent. They're not sitting back in their hips. They're no longer tall and they're broken. And what this is going to do over time, if you do it enough, is going to ingrain these terrible movement patterns. You're going to destroy these kids' strides. So try to think about that, and we'll go over this a little bit more in the throughout this podcast, but really try to focus on understanding how detrimental this conditioning is to your kids. Exactly, are we conditioning? Um, well, honestly, I don't know. If we're going to waste one-sixth of our time that we have with these kids on conditioning, I don't, like, I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me you're better off building conditioning into these drills for the kids because what's going to happen is they're going to be in their sport, right? So it's the same movement patterns. It's the same energy systems. It's the same skill set that they're going to need in their sport. Why not build these drills to create an environment where kids have to work hard? If you're, if you're going to sit there and tell me 
that your kids are going to skate just as hard conditioning at the end of practice as they would if they had the puck on their stick or a chance to score a goal, you're sadly mistaken. There's absolutely no way. In addition to that, when you tell kids or kids know that they're conditioning at the end of practice, guess what happens the rest of practice? These kids aren't skating hard. They know the end of practice is going to be a nightmare, and they want nothing to do with being in a, in a bad position at the end of practice. As imperfect as that sounds, kids aren't they're human beings in general. We're going to try to take the easiest route possible. And if I can pull the shoot in practice and save myself a little gas in the tank for the uh, inevitable bag skate at the end of practice, I don't know a kid that's not going to do it. So you're not accomplishing what you think you are. You're getting less out of your kids in practice and you're wasting all this time and destroying movement patterns at the end of it. And it just doesn't make sense. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have our strength and conditioning and sports performance coaches who like to, at the end of these sessions, sprinkle in a little bit of conditioning. And there's a reason for that. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, probably have a little bit of extra time at the end. I don't know if you've ever had <clears throat> a session with a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach. And at the end, there's some core or there's some conditioning. A lot of times it's because there was a little bit of time left at the end and we wanted to make sure that you got your money's worth. Um, on top of that, if you leave the session feeling exhausted, you feel, you feel like you did something. And I'm not going to lie. I've programmed finishers and sled pushes and stuff like that with the intent of having clientele leave feeling like they did something. Now that doesn't mean that I'm trying to trick you into thinking that we did more than we did at all. Within the session itself, a lot of times training is boring. A lot of times we do the same things. A lot of times you're not going to hit PRs. You're not going to have the best session. And sprinkling in a little bit of work at the end that has some benefit to you if it's thought out and it's you know there's a process to it is going to be beneficial and you're going to feel like you accomplished something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I feel like if that conditioning isn't planned, then we're not accomplishing what we want. If we're just throwing stuff at these kids or these clients and there's no real thought process behind it other than making them tired, it's an exercise in futility, it's dumb, and it's going to hurt your clients. Now, I'm not saying conditioning doesn't have value. Conditioning absolutely has value. The more conditioned you are, the less likely you are to get hurt. Um, it goes along hand-in-hand hand with strength, right? So we can create resiliency through conditioning just like we can through strength. However, we need to look at the physiological adaptations that are necessary for the sport before we program these things. I can't get a coach to, to give me a legitimate understanding or rationale for why we're doing bag skates, for why we're running 110s, for why we're doing half gassers and gassers outside of because that's how we did it. That's what we did, right? That's the most dangerous thing a coach can say is that we're doing this because that's how we did it. There's so much more information today than there was even five years ago. We have so much information when it comes to addressing these adaptations that are necessary that we need to change our thought process on the conditioning. We need to get out of these long conditionings for these athletes. Like Again, there is merit to, to laying a base and having a foundation with some longer work times. But at the same time, if you're going to spend 10 minutes at the end of practice in week eight of your season doing these conditioning drills, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know what the hell you're doing. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't put your kids in a better position. And what we need to do, and, and you, the listener as a coach, need to do is take a look at the physiological adaptations that you're going to need on the ice or on the field of play. So if we're, you know, running or skating uh, in these time frames that are like way outside 
of what's necessary for the sport, we need to take a look at that and be like, all right, so this is not going to be beneficial to my athletes. It's not going to put them in a good position. It's not going to give us the adaptations that we need. Let's go ahead and throw that out and let's move on and let's try something new. Okay, so to wrap all that up, I'm not saying conditioning is bad. I'm saying the manner in which we do it right now is dumb. We need to move on. We need to get a little bit smarter. We need to relook at all the adaptations that we need for the sport. And as a coach without a, a background in exercise physiology, just even looking at the times and the efforts, the movement patterns, what your athletes are doing for the amount of time that they're doing on the ice during, during game time or on the field um, during game time. And let's try to reel everything back in and make sure that we're attacking like all the energy systems that are necessary for the sport. I'm not saying don't condition. I'm saying let's be smarter about the way that we do it. All right, that's all for this week. It was kind of a quick one. Hope you learned something. Um, again, like reach out if you have any questions, if you're a coach in the area. Uh, the gym th that we're opening up next month is going to have mentorships available even for sport coaches. So reach out to us. Go on the website. There's a form you can fill out, and you can learn more about what you need to be doing as a coach. In addition to that, we're going to be doing some some uh, conference-style get-togethers with some local coaches. We're going to try to put together a good lineup for you guys at times throughout the summer. The goal is to educate the coaches in the area so that they understand what they're doing, um, you know, so that the athletes can can be in a better position so that we have less injuries, so that we, we have more kids kind of achieving the, the goals that they've set for themselves. Uh, be sure to check us out on social media. Again, Facebook, we're still pretty active. Instagram, uh, we still, I think our logo's up there, but outside of that, there hasn't been much. Uh, we don't have a lot to put out into the world yet just because our flooring's not even down. We don't have our equipment in, and that'll come about the middle of next month. Um, so around that time, check back with Instagram because we'll be putting some cool stuff up there. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to, to reach out, hit the website, um, www.theldsp.com, as in the Lions Den Sports Performance.com. Uh, email address is up there, phone number's up there. Reach out if you have any questions or concerns or you just want to talk shop. And uh, we'll see you next time.